It is a delight to be with you. For our guests and visitors, and for those of you participating online, worshiping with us online, I'm Pastor Mike Toomey. I'm one of your pastors here at Hope, and it is indeed a delight to be with you today. So, today we are celebrating Palm Sunday. We're celebrating this day when Jesus enters into Jerusalem as of the Lord and the King. And that's what we're going to be focusing on through the rest of this time that I'm with you. We're going to focus on that Jesus is indeed our Lord and our King. Before we go too much further, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, descend on us here right now. And by your presence here, Lord, draw us to your heart. Draw us to an understanding of who you are that you are a God of love and mercy, kindness, generosity, faithfulness. Heavenly Father, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was told not too long ago, okay, it was nine o'clock this morning. I was told not too long ago that every rock has a story. Every rock can tell you a story if you know what you're looking for. Last spring, when there wasn't any snow, when there weren't any more blizzards. It was weeks since we'd had a blizzard and I was out fishing on open water. And as I was casting this really heavy rod with an extraordinarily large weight and large treble hook into the river and pulling and tugging every time, I finally got to a point where I was just tired just from casting. So I had to set the pole down for a moment. As I set that pole aside... I decided to grab a snack and I opened my bag and under my bag was this rock. It was different than all the rest on the bank of the Yellowstone River. It was almost perfectly round and yet flat on both sides. It was like a disc and it had an amazing color to it. It wasn't bland like the other rocks around. It was nearly clear. And so I, I grabbed it and I washed it off in the, in the water just to get a really good look. And I held it up to the sun. And sure enough, what I had found was an agate. There's something strange about this agate. There was the remnants of cement on it. This agate had a story. Eons ago, it had been made in the geological formation of what we call Montana. And somehow, this agate had been pushed. It had been driven by waters and ice and snow to the bank of another river. And there, somebody, maybe a hundred years ago, began to dig gravel, looking for aggregate so they could mix it with their concrete and make foundations. And, and that's exactly what had happened. This agate, this beautiful round disc was ceremonially, unceremonially scooped up by a spade, thrown into concrete and then poured into a foundation that was just right above my head. But over the course of a hundred years or so, the water and the weather had loosed that agate from that tomb of concrete so that it could do what agates are supposed to do, to live out its purpose and to cry out with sunlight infused joy 
and to tell a great story. Today, we're here to witness the greatest of stories. It's a story of salvation. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of new beginning. It's a story of love. And it's a story of a king and a kingdom. It's a story of death and life. And everything in this story is pointing to this simple truth that Jesus is our Lord and our King. Everything that you heard in that reading of the gospel points to that particular truth. You just take a, a, a pause and you, you think about where this was taking place. Um, Luke, the, the, the author of the story, the witness to what Jesus had done. Luke, he, he, he makes sure that you and I know that this story takes place at the Mount of Olives. What's so special about that? Well, let me tell you, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, A prophet by the name of Ezekiel told a sad story. He told a sad story about how God was going to punish the nation of Israel. And that part of that punishment was that God's very presence was going to leave the temple. It was going to depart. You see, everybody believed that that God lived right in the temple. That's where his presence was most felt. But now his presence was going to, in a slow almost funeral-like procession move from the Holy of Holies into the next court, and then the outer court, and then leave Jerusalem through the east gate and finally disappear over where? The Mount of Olives. And so the people began to tell this prophecy that one day God's presence would return to Jerusalem and he would return from the east. And there where they would first see him would be the Mount of Olives. The prophet Zechariah, he prophesied as such and everybody was always looking for the coming king, the very presence of God to be coming from this holy mount, the Mount of Olives. This is where the kings made their way from. The next thing in this particular story that tells us that Jesus is indeed our Lord and King, it talks about a colt. Now most of us would expect a a king to ride a a noble steed, a a white horse as he's riding into battle. But that's not the way with our God. Our God chose a different way. To reveal his true heart to you and me, not through strength, but through meekness and humbleness. Did not choose a, a war horse. He would not choose a van of camels to show wealth, but the simplest and most humble and youngest of animals, the colt of a donkey. Jesus Scripture is telling you and me is the Lord and the King. You you hear that word Lord, 
in the story. Um, Jesus says, go get this camel, or go, go get this colt, go get this foal of a, of a donkey. And, and the, the disciples, they ask a really legitimate question. What happens when they ask us what we're doing with it? I mean, I think I tried to take a car once. I don't think this was going to pass. And Jesus, what does he tell his disciples? Tell them that the Lord needs it. The term Lord is really important because this is the very first time that Jesus ever refers to himself with that word. And that word means this. It means God. It is the title that the Jewish people used for God. God needs this. What's he trying to tell you and me here is that Jesus is our Lord and our king. There's a parade and then people take off their jackets. They take off their cloaks and they, they lay them on the, the colt and then they, they lay them on the ground and then they take branches like we have branches and they lay those down on the ground before Jesus as well. This reminds us of the parades of old when the kings like Solomon and David and Yehu, the, the, the kings of old Israel were anointed and coronated to wear the crown of God's nation. Everything is pointing to this truth that Jesus is our Lord and our King. What did the people cry out? In the other gospels, it's very clear. It says these these words, it says, Hosanna, words that were spoken to the kings. Save us, we pray. And then here in this particular gospel lesson today, they expand upon what that means. And they're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It echoes from the psalm, but Luke wants us to make sure that we know that indeed Jesus is king. So they replace a word in there and it's blessed is the king, Jesus, who comes in the name of the Lord, of the Lord God. And then Luke reminds us of these words, peace in heaven and glory in the highest Sounds like Christmas when the heavens were torn wide open and the angels sang out so that we might welcome Jesus into our lives. We might welcome Jesus, the king of the universe, into this world. Here at the other end of the gospel, Luke wants to remind you that this king comes not with threats and intimidation, but what does he come with? Peace. Peace. Jesus is our Lord and our King. And he's not just king of Israel. There's this small little nation in the, in the Middle East. Uh, no, the Jesus is the Lord and King, not just of Asia. He's not just the King of Africa. He's not just the King of Europe. He's not just the King of the world, but he's the King of all of creation. Jesus is indeed the King of the universe. And what does that mean? It means this, that there's no higher authority in any of our lives than that of Christ Jesus. Is that daunting? Absolutely. But more than daunting, what it means for Jesus Christ to be your king and to my king means freedom. 
means life. It means salvation. It means direction. It means purpose. It means that I am loved, that you are loved, and that we can love God and people in the promised Holy Spirit. And what, see, what did Jesus' kingship look like? It looked radically different from anything the people had experienced in their life. The rulers of old, they were cruel. They were mean. You just look at the people in charge at this time, and it was threatening. Pilate was a murderer. Herod was likely insane and a murderer. Terrible people who thought only of themselves and retaining all sense of power and authority within their own grasp. But Jesus would rule completely differently. You'd rule with generosity. You'd rule with humility, compassion. Instead of taking, he would give. He would love. And he would die. He would die for the sake of the world. He would die for you. He would take your sin, the punishment of your sin, upon himself at the cross. And there he would make you right with God. And not only would Jesus die, he would do at least one more thing. He would conquer. (laughs) He would conquer death. He would conquer sin. He would conquer the devil himself. And that is why Jesus is my Lord and my King. For in him I find comfort, I find hope, I find strength. I find purpose and meaning in following him and it is my hope and delight to hope that you will too. I am amazed by all the Christians in this particular world who have stood against evil and the that have stood against evil lords and tyrant rulers who have stood firm in the faith and proclaimed with their lips that Jesus is Lord and King. People like Corey Ten Boom, a, a Dutch watchmaker in, in World War II, a young woman who, what did she do? She stood up to the Nazi army and she saved people's lives. And she, in the power of the Holy Spirit, saved their souls as well. People like Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood up to the same evil empire, a pastor, a theologian, stood up to his own people and tried at his very best to remove Hitler from all power. But I see it in other ways. Ways that happen right here and right now. I see it when children say yes to the promises of God. When children say yes to the promise of God that they believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, even when every other person and authority in their life is at best agnostic. They're saying yes to Jesus in the face of evil. I see it when Christians practice peacemaking. Instead of taking the road of violence, even though they see it 
in physical and emotional ways in their life. I am amazed by the Christians who offer to pray with those people who are ill and dying. I I am amazed by the generous person who gives in a world that worships the self. I am amazed by Jesus' disciples today who cry out and invite other people to know the love of Christ. The religious leaders of the day, they tried to shut up the people. They tried to tell Jesus to make his disciples stop because they were creating too much of a ruckus and everything was going to go poorly. But Jesus spoke and said these truths. If these people do not sing, even the rocks will cry out. Even the rocks will tell the greatest of stories. Folks, we too are to cry out to invite people to know Jesus as their King and as their Lord. And this is the most important thing you will ever do. Let me say that again. The most important thing you will ever do is to help somebody know Jesus as their Lord and as their King. The most important thing we can do is to share the good news, to give hope. We give hope to the mom who's in the checkout line at the grocery store because she's at her wit's end. We, we share the hope of God to Jesus Christ, to the classmate in our room because it is a life-saving word of hope. We share the love of God and Jesus to our neighbor who needs freedom from addiction. We share the love of Jesus to the sinner who's in our own home who needs a word of forgiveness. You see, folks, your purpose, my purpose, is to cry out with the resurrection-infused joy and to point to the greatest story and invite all people to know the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, and our King. And we will not be silent. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I give you thanks and praise for this day. I thank you that your disciples of old, they spoke and they sang to the crowds. Heavenly Father, help us to be so bold and to share the love that you have given to us on the cross, and to help people know the promise of the resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said,